Whether packing for a destination vacation or planning a staycation, Macy's has everything you need. Summer's almost here, and I'm so excited to take a trip with Bryn. We are planning it right now. We are heading to Macy's before we pack to grab new shoes we can wear all day with anything. I'm excited to lay in the sun with key pieces from Macy's, like my new Dolce Vita sandals and Levi's skirt. I am ready to relax and look and feel amazing. Oh, how good that sounds. Of course, I can't forget a new beach bag. I have been eyeing the collection of beach bags from Macy's, and I can't wait for you to see what I choose. Shop at Macy's.com slash own your style. So Puerto Rico is a beautiful place. It's a lush island. It's great for surfing. It's got a culture. Like you feel like you've really gone somewhere far and you don't need a passport, which honestly I do really enjoy. It's a beautiful island. The people are amazing. The food is amazing. The water, the beaches, the vibe. It's a great place. It really is. In Puerto Rico, you'll taste the influence of Spanish, African, and native Taino traditions, sometimes all in the same dish. Puerto Rican chefs and restaurants put their passion into every bite. Puerto Rico is an excellent destination for food, which may not be a well-known fact. Whether it's a five-star restaurant or local favorite spot, no one does food like Puerto Rico. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hi, Bethany. I was thinking about the first time we ever met. And I think I'm, I think it was when I had the talk show in LA, but it may have even been before, before that. that. Tell it me was, when it was. I, don't, I think we had dinner with Rinna and a couple other people. And then we met you. I don't re, you Wait, was it maybe at the Soho house with Rinna? I don't remember. I don't, I don't know, but you were. Renting a place in L.A., I think, for the summer. That was around the same time. That was around the talk show. And then you It was came... right before the talk show. Okay. And you came on. Jill Fritzo is both of our publicists, so I'm now thinking she must have been there, been back there with you. And I can't imagine what would have made you come on except for like a favor because <laughs> it was a, probably a favor to the show. It was a test show. So some people like Justin Bieber were doing it. It was crazy guests because they were doing favors to Ellen. And I wanted to go on. It wasn't just for a favor. Well, I I remember, I think it probably was like, I don't know if it was like 07 or you were, you seemed guarded then. And having met you since then and before then, I've oh, now been- seven. Yeah, I was going through a bad divorce. I remember, and I'll refresh Jill's memory. Um, Jill's here. Yeah, Jill's here. Something happened. I got a phone call in the dressing room literally right before I went out on your show. About your situation. Yes. And I had a heart attack. Okay, because I have to tell you, you agreed to do it, and I had met you before, and you seemed stunned. It was oh, funny. Oh, something happened. Oh, bad. My, what, you can't yes. say what happened? 
all these years later? You know what? Now I can. Oh, okay. I just remember it's like a real experience. No. I remember so, you were like, okay. I was like, does she know she's coming here? Like it was as if someone put. You know Mark Berg. Yes. Okay. You used to work. I used to, I was Mark. Hold on everybody. Mark Berg was a manager of Charlie Sheen and a producer on Two and a Half Men. And years before that, he used to be his assistant. I was his assistant. Right. And he worked under Chris Blackwell. If you guys know, he like founded the Marley's and Island Records. So I worked for Mark Berg and he had to let me go because his wife didn't want me working for him. I found that out later, but I worked for Mark Berg and years later I ran into him and he told me he managed Charlie and he did the Saw movies and produced Two and a Half Men. And I was like, oh, I didn't know you were so big time. So literally right before I walked out, uh, I got a call that someone um, close to Charlie's circle was going to hold a press conference and disclose his health situation. He's been open to public right now about HIV, but at the time he wasn't. And he was doing um, anger management. So it would literally, I found, I got that call 30 seconds before I walked out on stage. How crazy is that? Like in life, you have an opinion of other people or as an experience. And it's all these years later. I mean, I didn't have a negative opinion, you but I, I thought you were guarded. On. You don't know what's going on with I'm someone. Behind closed doors. Even I know. in their life, if you, even if you like, Someone takes your parking spot and is a bitch about it. You don't know what happened that morning. What happened? I know. That's what happened. Oh, my God. Yeah. Because I called Denise to get everyone to where we are today. There are certain people I just want to talk to. I feel like, does anyone really know that person fully? And you're one of these people, to me, that I feel like I've met you and superficially we know each other for so many years. But I don't really know you. And I've always liked you. Like, my energy with you is that I've liked you. So I don't remember if that was six months or a year ago, but I called you and I was like, do you ever do a podcast together? Would you ever do something together? And we were dabbling in talking about just experiences on reality TV and being divorced and crazy, crazy divorces in life. Yeah. And, and then now it's, and here we are and here we are because you came to that dinner in LA and I ran into you and I mentioned it again and here we are. So thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Um, you're here in New I'm York. so glad we cleared up um, many, many years ago because. I had a perception yeah. of you. Not that not that you weren't nice, but you seemed no, stunned. I, like, why I am I here? Stunned. No, not why I was there, but I, I was having a heart attack inside and I couldn't even think because it was not a good yeah, situation. No, no, I don't mean it so. in a bad way. I just mean sometimes someone books an interview and then they might feel like they don't want to share. And I just thought, oh, interesting. So, so I said it to Jill and she's like, Jill said to me, she's an open book. I'm like, she is. So anyway. Yeah. I was a little distracted. So I'm so sorry. Yeah. Well, you've had a really outrageous, incredible life. I mean, I think about you coming from uh, Illinois, Midwestern girl. Yes. I remember that your dad moved into your house. Is it in Calabasas? Yeah. yeah. After um, my mom passed away, my parents were together since my mom was 17 and my dad was 21. Well, actually, she was 16 when they got together. Uh, But since they were, she was a teenager, young, and they stayed together until, uh, you know, my mom passed and she was very young. And my dad was going to come for two weeks and was with us for five years, which was such a blessing that my daughters got to have such a wonderful um, 
you know, parental, male parental figure in their life, Mm -hmm. um, which they needed at that time, especially. So I am so blessed that he was able to and did stay, um, you know, for as long as he did and, you know, had such a huge impact on my daughter's early years of growing up. It's amazing. And I think about you growing up in a Midwestern environment. Did you have a quote unquote normal childhood? Yeah, I would say. I mean, we were actually a Nielsen family. And a lot of people don't know this. <laughs> Born in um, after whatever, 1980 or something. Um, Nielsen were these boxes that they would put uh, back in the day on family's television to record what a typical family. We were a family of four, um, middle to lower class family, and they wanted to see what we were watching. And I'll never forget when the people showed up and gave it to my parents. That's so funny. Isn't that funny? How does that happen? They show up at the door? I don't, you know what? I have to ask my dad how that happened because that's, now that I think, like, that's weird. Like, why would you let these strangers into our house and put a box on our TV? <laughs> right, in 2023, <laughs> like, that yeah. would be... <laughs> It'd be like, what are you recording? Um, so, yeah, no, we were a typical all-American family of four, went to church every Sunday, had dinner together every night at 6 p.m. So that was our family. That would be a great sitcom or, or a reality <laughs> show called the and the name is actually the Nielsen's. The like Nielsen's. Your last name is the exactly. Nielsen's. That's a good idea for a show to be honest. Well you should produce that. I then. would love to. I would love to. <laughs> what were you guys watching? What does the Nielsen um, family okay, watch? So back then I remember my sister and I we were allowed to stay up late on Friday nights to watch Dallas. Okay. And I actually told my my husband who's here too that my dad every Friday night would make us a um, mint chocolate chip milkshake. Every We got the milkshake every Friday night. Uh, and so we would watch Dallas um, on Fridays. And then I was a Facts of Life girl. I loved the TV show Facts of Life. Mm-hmm, same. My favorite growing up. Same. So how did you get into acting? Were your parents for it? Was it a great opportunity to sort of get out of the lower middle class? <laughs> no, Nielsen well, house? actually, uh, my dad saw um, what was that show? Uh, Battle of the Network Stars. Okay, living in Illinois, blizzards, and it was January. And my father told us that he, when I was older, that um, he wa- he couldn't believe that the celebrities were wearing shorts and a t-shirt in January and here we're freezing. And my dad worked for Illinois Bell, the phone company. Mm-hmm. So we had to climb the telephone poles and when it was winter. Right. And so he up and moved our family to California. With no job? He With didn't have no a job? With no job. Okay. He had a friend that did leave the phone company and form his own payphone company. And my dad eventually worked for him, and my dad would drive every single day from San Diego to Los Angeles collecting the payphones. He had a payphone route. Wow, this is yeah, so... Yeah, when I was 15. That's so funny. Yeah, after my freshman year in high school, we moved. So you really did have, like, a very Rockwell, you know, <laughs> We had childhood. Rockwells. <laughs> Norman Rockwell, sculpt, the sculptures in the book. 
That that's was my so, mom's favorite thing. That's hilarious. It's so funny like, you said that. That's so, yeah. You yeah. Did, well, you literally, you're the Nielsen's yes. and the Rockwell's. Exactly. That, that's amazing. That was my childhood. Okay, so. So then when I was 15, I my mom um, submitted me for, do you remember the clothing company Esprit? Yeah. Oh, my God. Okay. Obsessed. I was in an Esprit model search, and then I made it to the finals. I went to two, like, competition things, and then I came in second, and uh, an agent from Los Angeles signed me uh, to model. Wow. But I always wanted to act. Like, I took drama in school, and that was something. But I never thought living in Illinois that was ever a possibility. Right. But, but then, you did dream about it as a kid in yeah, Illinois. Yeah, I always wanted to act even when I was younger, but I thought that would never happen because of where I was living. Right. California seemed so far away. Right. So, uh, and then when I was, mo- I modeled, and then... Um, then I just got an agent. Um, I was 20, an acting agent, uh, and I played 15 years old. So I was in the children's division okay. of the uh, theatrical agency. It was Harry Gold at the time, and uh-huh. that was Tracy Gold's father had yep. an agency. Then because I played so young, I didn't need to have a huge resume. So I would just do small parts. And I thought, oh, this is easy. I booked my first two jobs. So I was a PA on Saved by the Bell. I don't know if you know that. No. I was a PA on Saved by the Bell for the beach episodes. I did beach episodes. So your mind plays tricks on you because years later, I'm in my late 20s and 30s and I'm seeing you and you're Denise Richards, who's more famous then and you're in more movies. And I'm like, wait a second. I feel like I know her. I think she was on Saved by the Bell. But like you weren't Denise Richards on Saved by the Bell because you were just starting. I had like two lines. Right. But I remembered you. You have a very striking look. And I was like, and Tori Spelling was on Saved by the Bell and Leah Rimini. But Leah Rimini wasn't yet. (laughs) Exactly. But I was a PA and I thought you guys were all like rich and famous actresses because you were on this thing that I was doing. Oh, that's funny. So later I put, you know how you, think puzzle pieces come together in your mind later I'm like I think Denise Richards from all these movies was on Saved by the Bell when I was there but I never connected it I thought like listen I was a young girl who had just not even walked with the class I wanted to get to LA and just like work and I was a PA and I thought you guys were also intimidating because you were real actresses and I was just a PA I could have been friends with you all that time ago we could have been friends I was terrified to do that show I had to pretend like I was drowning I was so embarrassed yeah and yes and that guy yes had to save me oh my god All right. so that was Saved by the Bell so sorry so that I didn't realize that so that was your first that was my first real gig okay so then were you a good actress at that time no I couldn't say a word I was so nervous Nervous. I was so nervous and so naive. Well, you were also 20, so you're still living with your parents. No, I moved out when I was 18. So you moved out when you were 18. What area? Uh, I was Wilcox and Hollywood Boulevard. I remember my friend that modeled, too, when I was modeling. I saw her apartment. It had pink carpet. So I wanted her apartment when <laughs> she moved out. I'm not joking. Just it was a carpet. studio. Yes. <laughs> And my father came um, about three weeks later and saw where I was living and threw my shit in a pickup truck. And he goes, you're moving out of here. And you moved to another place. But I how moved, could you afford I, it? Because I got um, some of the units. I, I'll never forget this. I moved to a place on Bluffside Drive in Studio City where they had these special units for people that didn't make a lot of money. I forgot what it was called back then. 
So I qualified for that. What was your rent? My rent, I had a five fifty eight. I had six hundred. I was living in an apartment for six hundred dollars. My pink LA. carpet was six hundred. That was six hundred. So yeah. I got a deal with the place in Studio City that had like secure gates. You had to go through a gate with, you know, security there, and so you were responsible for your own finances. Then, yeah, were, I paid. I always paid um, my everything. You had jobs in high school too. Or no? Yeah, I've had so many jobs in high school. My first job was Hagen dazs ice cream, which was my favorite. <laughs> What's your favorite flavor? Um, well, I like, uh, well, back then it was mint chocolate chip, and I love that it was like looked vanilla. Well, they also had slab chocolate, which I liked versus Baskin Robbins. It was yes. like the little slivers. I worked at Baskin like Robbins too. See, it's not the same chocolate. It's not. Ratio. I went back to Hagen dazs Right. I, I understand. So all of us girls in high school worked at Hagen dazs and we were terrible. We'd have the boys block the camera and kind of give out free ice cream to some of the boys at school. I so, like, nice, nice. You know, um, but yeah, I worked, uh, I had a lot of jobs in high school. I started working when I was really young. Hey there. Did you know that May is Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month? Macy's is celebrating by highlighting some cool AAPI-owned brands like Cardon, Kaja, Amelia George, and Hey Maeve. I mean, I love that a big brand like Macy's is supporting Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. It's important. But you know what? The best reason to check out these brands is that they're just really awesome. Seriously, you need to check them out. And you know what else? You have a great opportunity to open up access to college for AAPI students and help them succeed by donating to APIA scholars. APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. You can donate online or just round up your purchase at Macy's when you check out. So do what you can to help. Join Macy's and round up your purchase to the nearest dollar at checkout to support APIA scholars. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander-owned brands at Macy's.com or in-store. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. 
So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. Did you have bad experiences with the casting couch or people I once met with Aaron Spelling's main casting person Tony something and he told me that I had to lose like eight pounds and he just I remember feeling like a real loser because I was trying to act and I remember feeling like having seen the pink concert last night and listening to her lyrics about how she doesn't look like Britney Spears and when she was trying to be a pop star how there's like now Everybody can fit into some space. Back then, it was really you had to fit. It into was very one space. different. Yeah, yeah. So, have you? What kind of experiences did you have with that? Oh, well, I've I've had many. I you know it started with modeling. I went to Japan the day after I graduated high school. I was there for uh, at that time for two months, and <laughs> it's ironic because I remember going there and they wanted me to model. Uh, bras and underwear. Okay. Um, this was before um, I had my boobs done, okay. so I was very small. And um, <laughs> small I was, but I called my dad crying, and my dad was going to come out and get me. So I told the agency. What's ironic is then I do wild things and Playboy later, but, but whatever. That's your choice at the time, though I was felt very uncomfortable. They were going to. Uh, rip up my contract and send me home. Uh, but they ended up keeping me. And I If you I, didn't wear lingerie. Yeah. Okay. But they kept me and I still worked even though I didn't do lingerie. And but that it, it was very awkward going to auditions there uh, at the time because they had us put a bathing suit on. So even if you were modeling a hat, they It was still, just like a gratuitous yeah, thing. And there's no disrespect there. It's it was just at the time with modeling at the time and it was just eye-opening with working and getting into the business uh but i i i said no to so many things when i started working and then i worked in new york i had some uh similar experiences there but i think it was more about people just making you feel uncomfortable yeah i yes yeah. Like you just feel awkward and you feel like you're doing something wrong. You're not going to get the part, but well, I, I, the agency that I was with in New York, you were expected to go to parties. Uh, I, I would not go. I didn't want to, I didn't want, I just wanted to work. I didn't want to, you know, I was very naive about the business and it was a lot of uh, pushback with the agency with that. And so it made it a little difficult, but I worked so that's why they, they kept because me. Because you were working. They wanted yes. you to go to parties. Did you feel pressured to drink or do drugs? I didn't go to the parties. I wouldn't. I was the type that would go to bed at 9 or 10 o'clock at night. I got up early. Um, even, and then when I started acting, I didn't go to any... I wasn't a party girl. I wanted to really study my two lines over and over and over again. I went to acting class a few nights a week. So I really took my job very serious and wanted to do good. I wasn't in that, you know, party scene. As a mother, do you think that is from 
your parents or do you think that was just inside of you to have that discipline? I, I'm very much, I take things very seriously and if I do it, I do it right. And that in my case, it definitely wasn't my parenting except that my father was a Hall of Fame horse trainer. So I sometimes think that he was just the best at what he does. So maybe it's just genetic, but I think about that because I'm like you, I just take things very seriously. So I, I want to know where you think that came from. I think seeing my dad, uh, you know, he had, good work ethics mm -hmm. and it's I, I think that you know just being raised that way and you know to be professional and you show up you work you have to do your job so I was raised seeing that yeah it's just it's just yeah that is that work ethic is entire mm -hmm. I think I think that when people now in the day of filtering and Instagram and the the quick fame and instant gratification, I really do always say that I think that the key to success, longevity and success is is just that work ethic, that old school work right. ethic. It could be 1950. Like it's just, are you a person that really like works hard and doesn't count? And when is lunch? And when am I punching in and punching out? Right. Like just, I came up working for Jerry Bruckheimer and for Mark Berg and for Lauren Michaels. And like, I never remember asking when are we getting out of here or this job is too low for me? I just always was someone who I would work for free. I just wanted to be working. Yeah, that's how I was too. And to do one or two lines on these shows, um, actually, I forgot the name of this one show. And it was basically, I was an extra. I was there all day, like, but I didn't care. When, right. When you were they part, you me, were in the game. Yeah. Yeah. I would work and, and I would stay. I never complained. I would stay as long as... I needed to stay if I was sick. There's no, and even, you know, throughout my career, if you're sick, you have to show up. There's Pros, no one to replace you because you're on camera. Pros play hurt, period. Yes. Um, and I will, I, I will get into this after with your daughter or your daughters. Do you feel like you've instilled that work ethic in them? Do they have a work ethic that I, feels I, similar? I do. I, I think that everyone's different, though, and I think... You know, it's the generation of our our daughters yep. is a little different, and it's hard too because I feel that sometimes it's it's a quick they want everything right now, instant gratification, yeah. and also they grew up with a mother who is famous and wealthy and a father who is famous right. and wealthy, and it's hard to be successful and have money and access and tell them not to. You grew up with a father who was climbing up telephone poles right. in Illinois. It's not you can't. It's hard to recreate that. It right, but my daughters weren't born obviously when I started my career and see me, you know, all the auditions I went oh. on and all the rejection and and the stuff that I I did deal with. It's funny because they say that 50s moms spent less stay-at-home moms spent less time with their kids than we do now because we're so use your inside voice and let's right. talk about, you know, and like <laughs> yeah. all this stuff. So it's like yeah. my daughter never really sees me working because I'm so present when I'm with her, which is all true. And that's who I am. But like, you know, when we were kids, our mother, mother was smoking when they're pregnant, right. drag the kids and you'd put your, you had an audition. You would have just sit your kid on a chair. Mommy's working. But now it's like, 
my daughter really doesn't see me work that yes. much. And, and and who knows if that's even a good thing. It should be like, shut up, sit down. I got to go on the road. I'm going on a trip to Australia next year and I want to make sure that like, I'm only working the two times and the rest of the time is a mommy and me experience. Right. Like, because they're so coddled. Yes, it's, just different. it's yeah. true. You know, it's very it's, different. Yeah. It's I called- think for the longest time they thought I worked in a trailer because when they would come to <laughs> set, they would come in the trailer and right. see me get my hair and makeup done. Right. But they wouldn't come on set because, God forbid, they made a noise. Right, right. And screw a take up. Right. I did not want the my response. kid. Like, yeah. Oh my God! What if my kid says something and someone's take is yeah. messed up and yeah. that's on me? You know. So I think they thought I worked in a trailer for the longest time. I don't even think they knew what I did. Yeah, they really don't <laughs> see the struggle. That's really interesting. Okay, so now your career when pops off when you're saying the year of wild things popped it off or like, yeah, I think that when you experience a successful prod, like television show or a movie or song, whatever your career is, the, the work that it takes to get there is not overnight, but when something hits, that's overnight. Right. It's the swell and yes. then the wave crests. And like, then so you got to ride the wave. It's overnight gonna... when people, when you go from people recognizing you or not, and then to recognizing you. Right. And that you know? was wild things. And that was like astronomical fame. You know, you go to the grocery store and people recognize you or you're on a cover of a magazine. That was weird to see yourself. No one has magazines really anymore. There's only right. a few, I think. I know. <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's very different. But back then when you're, you know, in line buying your groceries and you see yourself on a cover of something, it's weird. It's 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 a little different. Jarring. So, yeah. So how, first of all, how did you handle that? How did that feel? Um, and did you have a support system? Did you have good friends? Like you're in LA, you're not in your... Well, you have the friend. There are certain friends that... Then get jealous. Okay. Because they're in, they're also actresses. Yes, so in because the same that's boat. where I met friends was acting classes and, you know, the little jobs along the way. The I did so many pilots that didn't get picked up and, you know, became friends with so many different actresses and actors along the way. And some of them I'm still close to and, and some of them along the way were... Couldn't handle it. Yeah. And it's funny. They say fame changes... And, and for some people, it does change the person that becomes famous. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it's the people around you that change. That's interesting. From In my life, fame was one thing, not at that level, but money. When you make money, when I, when I had my Forbes cover, that's when people really get crazy. Yeah, Because the money, sure. I, I, I just always thought they were the same thing. When I saw you on Saved by the Bell, I thought like you had to be rich because you were acting. But right. you definitely weren't now that no. I... But but money too, and you add it to that. Absolutely. So you pop off, and are you making the right choices in your career? Like you have to make all these decisions because oh, everything. Oh, I've made a lot of bad choices. I mean, sure. no. Then, like now, you're really famous, and everything's getting thrown at you, and everybody wants something from oh, you. Oh, that so. the, the, it's hard because then it's right away. Oh, you need to hire. Um, I'm so grateful. I I Jill was not my first publicist, but I'm so grateful. We've been together almost my entire career, but there were, there was like a year or so where I was with other people, um, not the best choices. Right. And then it's like, oh, you need a business manager. You need this, this, this. It's overwhelming, especially someone in your twenties when you become famous and you're, pe- you're a commodity and people, you don't know, 
you're trusting the people around. It, of course, it all know. sounds so great. Weird, yeah, it all sounds great. It all sounds well, like you need it. <laughs> yeah, and it, yeah, that you need the help in this, but it's also not knowing. I, I find it overwhelming. Everything sounds good. Yeah, everything everything sounds good. It's like a horoscope, and everything could apply to you, but it doesn't necessarily apply. Yeah, to you. because you're young. You're you, you don't. It's um, it's a totally different job and experience, and so you rely on people that are in your life to help guide you. But I definitely have made a lot of bad decisions for sure. So did you get really screwed financially? I uh, many ways. Many I got, and what yeah. have you learned? Like what? What what is your what is your infrastructure like uh, now? Like, I well, what have I lean. learned? If yeah. I could go back, I I think to follow my gut. That's the thing. That's the biggest advice I give my daughters: always follow your gut. And that was something my mom would always tell me, but I didn't always listen to it. Is that little voice that's telling you your guardian angels? You know, if something doesn't feel quite right, just. Listen to it. Abort. Yeah. That's the biggest lesson that I have and that I've learned. And what I'm trying to teach my daughters is always follow your gut. Because even if people don't agree with it. The times you've been screwed over are yeah. all of them. You kind of saw it, but you yeah. just didn't listen. Yeah. And that was that was um, business wise. What about personal? Obviously, your relationship with Charlie and Richie Sambora was public. Did you date a lot of other actors? Were you in were you like doing the whole scene? No, I wasn't the type of woman that had to be in a relationship. Okay. I was okay being single and alone. So I, I, I didn't, I, I have, obviously I dated and dated others, but not long-term relationships. But I, I was okay not dating. And how soon after Wild Things, if that's the crest, did you meet Charlie? Um. Probably about four years after, four or five years. So, but you were but still in the height years. of your career. You were very doing very well. Everything was great, success wise. Yeah, I was working a lot because I, from me, just being a fan and a viewer, I understand the attraction to Charlie Sheen for you having been in a relationship with someone that had a, having experienced people who are have addiction. There is the highs are very charismatic and very electric, and those types of people with the promises they make and the excitement and the road like is very intoxicating. So I, because I've read things about you in that relationship and that he was seemed super charming and like you you found it very exciting. So what was that like meeting him and like what was the sorry because Aaron's here and I no I, he, he's Paul, okay. my, my fiance Paul's not into like. He'll go, you, he'll go, do I look like your girlfriend? You could go talk to Sarah. But last night I was saying some comedian was attractive. He's like, do I look like your best friend? <laughs> I don't, you know, he's very, so, so no, sorry. No, Aaron's good. Yeah, no, okay. No, so, good. Oh, you have a yeah. good relationship with Chari. Okay, great. That's so nice. That's amazing. No, okay, they have so, a good relationship. So I, you know, and I also have, I have sympathy for people who suffer from addiction. It is, it is a disease. So I just want to know what that attraction was like. And we're going to get into that ride a little bit. I, first of all, was incredibly naive to addiction. And when I met Charlie, he was sober for four years. So, and and people would ask me, oh, are you um, afraid he's going to relapse or this? For me, it was no question. I'm, I said, no, I, I don't, I didn't know that person. I only knew 
who I met, and that was a man who had been sober for four years. I didn't judge him for his past because I figured, well, his past made him who he is today. And the person that I met was very different from the person that spiraled during his, you know. I didn't know that. I thought, I didn't know that he had already been recovering for four years. He was. And a lot of people said, oh, you, uh, you reformed the bad boy or this. I said, no, I, he was, I wouldn't have dated him. I didn't know that. If I met him. Uh, when he was in his addiction, deep in, ad- in addiction, he was sober and a completely different person. So I, that's who I met. Mm, and did he, so he, so did he not, he didn't drink or do anything Nothing. at all. So was it boring? Was it exciting? No, what it was, wasn't boring. I'm just, I, I, yeah, I wasn't a partier. So I was, I didn't want to be with, wasn't thinking, oh shoot, I just, started dating Charlie Sheen and I just read all these crazy okay. stories about him and how come we're not doing it? That wasn't part of it. And also, you know, back then we didn't have social media. It was all the tabloids. Mm-hmm. Obviously I knew what was in the tabloids and just knew bits and pieces. And I didn't know what was true, what wasn't true about his past, but I just knew the person that I met was someone who was I met him on a movie uh, called Good Advice. He had just gotten uh, replaced um, Michael J. Fox on Spin City. Mm-hmm. And so he was getting ready to start that. And so we didn't, we weren't dating on the movie that I met him on. Then a year later, I do Spin City. He, they went through a list of actresses with him and said, we want to bring someone on to do a recurring role. And he said, oh, I... Denise, I worked with her. She's great, whatever. We got along. We worked good together. And so then I started, I worked on Spin City, and then we started dating, and then here we are. And, we, <laughs> and well, it was Little quite a road to get to here. Well, what yes. was your gut about him? Um, I, I really liked his work ethic. I thought he was a great actor. I thought it was funny. Um, he was very kind and you know, obviously there was an attraction and mm-hmm. chemistry with, with he and I. And and so then it, you know, evolved into uh, a relationship. And also I wasn't one of these actresses either that was dating all my co-stars. Mm. That wasn't my thing either. I There was only one other actor I dated that I worked with and I dated him before we worked together. Um, but otherwise that wasn't, I wasn't one that would hook up with you know, all the actors on set or, you know, that wasn't, for me, it was work. I would go to work. I wasn't there to meet someone to date or make friends. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, he just jumped off the page or pursued you. Well, because I think we worked on a movie a, a year prior and we had a lot of mutual friends. We just, uh, you know, started talking more and just had, it started that, as a friendship. Yeah, it started it just as evolved. a kind of a friendship. And where was being a Bond girl and Playboy before this? Playboy, uh, Bond before, Playboy after. So Bond was before. Um, what was it like to be a Bond girl? Like just saying Overwhelming. That. The pressure of doing it or afterwards? Well, I had never, people don't believe me, but it's true. I had never seen a Bond movie. I believe Before that. I was cast. I... Flew, I auditioned for it in LA 
And then they, I'll never forget this because it was Thanksgiving. They flew us to do a screen test with Pierce. And I think there were six of us actresses. I brought my dad because I was sad to miss Thanksgiving. Uh-huh. And so my mom had my dad go with me while I screen tested in London. But they were freaking out. Your parents were like, you're going to be a Bond girl, right? Well, I didn't know if I was going to get the part. I had to fly there to uh, do a screen test and they audition. They fly you and, though, right? Yeah. They, oh, okay. flew, they flew, they took very good care of us. And I went and auditioned. I was nervous as hell. I had to do scenes with Pierce at Pinewood Studios where they shot and it's a very well-known uh, studio. I do the screen test and... Uh, fly back to LA and then Jill set me up with an interview with uh, Details Magazine I think it was or Detour I can't remember I'm literally with the journalist when I get the call that I got the part oh did you tell the journalist uh, yeah I was like oh I, I just got um Bon and he was like what what Fuck, <laughs> you're going to be Bond girl? I'm like, yeah. I go, oh, well, that's good. I'm excited. <laughs> and he was like, he was so excited that he was able to break it. But then I get home and it's on CNN and everywhere. And I was like, I call my agent. I'm like, why is this such a big deal? Why am I on the news about a role I got? And he goes, do you understand this movie? I'm like, no. That's amazing. That's so amazing. You, you'll no one can ever take that away from you. Were your parents freaking out? Yes. Come on, your parents had to be freaking. Yeah, that I would say is when internationally when things really changed. Yes. <laughs> because I shot the movie. Um, so I remember it was Thanksgiving that I auditioned, and then January they fly me out there with. They let me bring my mom to look for an apartment because it was a six-month shoot. So we find an apartment and then fly back. And then I had to fly back again. Film six months, wrap in June, and the movie's out in November. Wow. And then I'm on a month-long press tour worldwide. That's fun. And I was like, oh, my God, the fans for this? <laughs> There's a lot of people here. That's amazing. It was now. crazy. That's a it ride. It was really a crazy experience. That's a ride. That's amazing. Wow, that's so cool. Um, okay, so then you're with Charlie, and you have a pretty normal relationship. You're like you're, he's sober. You're in love. You, you're just a normal relationship, Hollywood normal. Yeah, no, we we were, and then I get uh, pregnant with uh, Sammy, and that was probably a year into our marriage. Um, I have Sammy. Five months later is when I. Shot Playboy. Okay. And I remember Playboy asking if he wanted to be the photographer. <laughs> if Charlie would be the photographer? Yeah. Why, was he a photographer? No. That's, That's why he was like, no, they'll, they'll, they wanted to get behind the scenes of him shooting me. They said the photographer can set up the shot. He just has to put the... Oh. Yeah. They okay. just wanted that whole thing. Did he do it? No, because he, he got two and a half men oh. while I was pregnant. And so then he went into production. So he was, you know, nervous about starting a new TV show after got Spin it. City got canceled. And so he got that, which, by the way, I read the script and I'm like, you have to do this show. Oh, you were part of the decision. Oh, he was going to do a different show. Oh, really? And I read the script. I go, you're crazy for not doing this. That's amazing. And that obviously was his most huge instrumental role in his whole life. Wow. Wow. 
there. Did you know that May is Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month? Macy's is celebrating by highlighting some cool AAPI-owned brands like Cardon, Kaja, Amelia George, and Hey Maeve. I mean, I love that a big brand like Macy's is supporting Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. It's important. But you know what? The best reason to check out these brands is that they're just really awesome. Seriously, you need to check them out. And you know what else? You have a great opportunity to open up access to college for AAPI students and help them succeed by donating to APIA scholars. APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. You can donate online or just round up your purchase at Macy's when you check out. So do what you can to help. Join Macy's and round up your purchase to the nearest dollar at checkout to support APIA scholars. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander-owned brands at Macy's.com or in-store. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. So now, why did the wheels fall off? Was it about a holiday? For, I mean, about, about a Hollywood relationship? Did the wheels no. fall off for him first? Did they fall off for you both together? Oh like- no! I think because the success of Two and a Half Men and the money, I think, led to him getting back into he, not being sober. He he was in he was in, he believed his own. You know, I I he drank his own. Kool-Aid. That's something that he would have to answer. Right. I just know it. That he was no longer the person I married. He was on a hit show. And uh, was he it, on a low in his career before that? Well, he, I mean, he did, he was on a low before he got Spin City. Right. Replacing um, 
Michael J. Fox, and he did a great job on that, won a Golden Globe. He had to go through struggles, and he's very public about that with not working for quite quite a few years because of his addiction. Mm-hmm. And um, But I think the with the fame um, and the success of that show, whatever that is, that's something for him to right. talk about. But all I know is he was no longer... Uh, the person that I married and no longer sober. So, and how quick did that happen? So the show was, it was an instant hit. It was explosive. And then how quick did you start to see? Um, Well, we got, let's see. After Sammy was born, I got pregnant six months later with Lola. And I filed for divorce when I was six months pregnant. Now, how bad is your family life inside? Like in what, because we're reading in the tabloids, how insane is what's going on in your house, or is it well insane enough for me to file for divorce six months pregnant? Right. It wasn't like I moved out and we had a little separation. It was get out. Yeah, like we got to get out. And what yeah. about your parents? Or what are they saying? Did they understand why you married Charlie? Are they like, who is this person? What are we doing? They, they yeah, like they liked Charlie, and they were very supportive of us being married and getting married. Like I said, he was very different from what the public saw when he spiraled after all that stuff with publicly when after um, Two and a Half Men when he was fired and going through all that with the tiger blood and all that shit. So when you file, how soon There was a lot of stuff, obviously, people did not know that was not public. Uh, But when I filed, it was basically he went to work. I uh, packed a suitcase and took our daughter, who is just uh, not even one, and went to the Beverly Hills Hotel. And I went to file for divorce and went to a fitting for a pilot that I was doing. So how bad is it publicly then? Like, what's oh, going horrible. on? Like, what's going on publicly? Publicly, it was, again, I was stupid. I was shocked that it was so public. I thought, oh, it'll just be a little blurb. It wasn't a little blurb. It wasn't we were on the cover of tabloids for a couple years. <laughs> it was insane. And I couldn't understand why. Um, and that was very difficult for me because being pregnant and it was hard enough that I was having to deal with this, going through a Person. divorce, have a one-year-old and I'm pregnant and it's so public, and to have the mudslinging as well with, you know, I just wanted us to just shut the fuck up and go through it. And where was he in his career and in this public he aspect? Was on the hottest show ever, and they wanted to protect him. And they knew something must be mad for the wife, <laughs> where no one read stuff about us. It w- and that's I, that's the thing now looking back why people were quite surprised was because it wasn't as though people saw us fighting in public or again there was no social media right. where people could but even at that we weren't the type of couple to do that they saw us three weeks earlier at the SAG Awards and then three weeks later I'm filing for freaking divorce and was this the first time you saw like the spin of fame like fame biting you in the ass like you're well, it was the spin of um, the per- my personal life 
being so public. I was not getting at that moment any negative publicity. It was people felt bad for me. Oh my God, things must be really. You bad. were sympathetic because you were pregnant. Yeah, and you were a woman. And so, yeah. but I, I'm, and and I didn't want anything bad for him either. You know, it, negative in the press. I didn't want that. I, I didn't want it to be so public. But it, it was what it was, which is very difficult. It's hard enough going through a, a divorce or anything, you know, personally. But then to deal with it so publicly is, as you know, it's really hard. I was thinking you've been churned through the machine many times. I mean, a wild few times things and was a machine. over and over. Wild, things, wild <laughs> yeah. things was being churned through the machine now or not really? Uh, back then? Yeah. Yeah. And that was a big risk for me. That could have gone either way. I took a big risk doing that. I thought, oh, this could, maybe I won't ever work again. But- it was such a an amazing project and a great script and good people involved. I felt like it was worth the risk. Um, that was risky. Playboy was risky too. You're on top of the world and then you're doing Playboy. Well, I did Playboy when, like I said, I was, you know, I felt like it was, it was also a little, I was offered it actually during, right after Wild Things. Or, I don't remember, but I, I turned it down um, and then they came back again, um, after Sammy was born Mm -hmm. and I thought, well, you know what, why not? It's okay to show that I can be a mom and still be perceived as sexy. It doesn't mean, well, that's coming, that comes into play with the OnlyFans, which I'm really interested in too. But all right. So Charlie, the wheels come off. And then, but the wheels haven't yet come off at work because he's just like a Hollywood bad boy and he's still working and he's still making money. So when does this really devolve? Like, cause he, cause what we saw publicly was like, it was kind of like Kanye-ish. Like Kanye was on Wait, top of the when his wheels fell off yeah, for work? Yeah, because, well, his wheels are your wheels. His wheels came off and then it became, it always splattered back yeah, on you. Yeah, I mean, anytime there was anything public about him, I would for some reason be dragged into right, it. Right, that's what I saw. But we were divorced quite a few years. That's the thing that people... But you're co-parenting. Know. We're co-parenting. So uh, I, I know because it was 2011 because that's when Eloise, the year she was born, but he was fired in 2011 from um, Two and a Half Men. We, I filed for divorce in 2005. That's so we were divorced for six years. Yeah, I guess. And he already had another marriage and another divorce. Brooke, which, yeah, but I, by I that think, by the time his wheels fell off with two and a half men. But you were trying to co-parent while no one else saw. The, what I'm saying is, it, it reminds me of, for some reason, of Kim and Kanye because Kanye, everyone loved and respected. He's so entertaining and he's a genius. And you know that Charlie was a genius and charismatic. Right. And no one's thinking about his addiction because they're watching this entertaining show and it's making all this money and it's the highest paid actor on television. And Kanye was on top of the world. And then one day, like, everybody sees what you see because the wheels come off for us. And, of course, everyone even applauded that. He went up in Twitter followers because people were almost, like, embracing the crazy. And But then one day it crashes and burns. I saw that with Kanye, too. And Charlie crashed and burned when he lost the job. Well, yeah, that's when it happened. Yeah. So Pretty I'm saying, much. did you feel any... Not that you wanted that to happen to him, but, like, somebody seeing your side of it first. You're not... You know, because you got so 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 trashed in the press. I think there there was definitely a part of me that felt okay. Now I think people understand without me saying it what right. was going on, I, and I, that there was a lot going on behind closed doors right. that I didn't divulge and I didn't say, and and to be painted as someone mm-hmm. so bad by 
a lot of people on his side was very hard for me because I had a whole studio. I had very powerful men that were involved in his production that tried to paint me as this horrible person when all I was trying to do was, one, I helped them a lot by helping him. Right. That they all know. And also to protect our girls because just because we're in the public eye and we're a famous family doesn't mean the kids have to be pulled into that so much. And people don't realize, like even with the paparazzi, Mm -hmm. some of the questions they would yell at me in front of our daughters. Mm -hmm. And I would say, please, they can hear. They can hear you. Please don't ask me these questions or say. It was so difficult. And, you know, I'll never forget. We were... We came to New York to, I was promoting a show and Charlie thought it would be great for him to come with us. And, um, this is while you're not together while we weren't together. Oh, so you had a sort of amicable co-parenting relationship. We went through ups and downs. There was a period when I took care of his sons and then there was a period when things were really bad. So it would go up and down. And so during the times where it was up, I wanted to have the girls experience wonderful moments with their dad and I, and I wanted them to see us be able to be together at whether it's a birthday party or whatever. Or we did go on vacation together and it might be sound weird for people. We wouldn't stay in the same room, but we wanted the girls to still have that family unit whenever possible. Underneath all the craziness, it sounds like, That says a lot about both of you. I went through a very public 10-year divorce and um, stayed quiet too. Like, And it's impossible because you know what's really going on and you don't feel vindicated and you feel like you're the villain. And and I really relate to that. Um, But also that a child's, a daughter's first relationship is with her dad, with a man. So you have to really try to foster that being positive. And it says a lot about both of you that you somehow, even through all the craziness, even him through an addiction, understood like somehow fundamentally that it's we should all be together and that you are a family unit forever, no matter what. Right. Yeah, no matter what happens. That's really amazing. That's sho- it's amazing and shocking. And so you went through a complete shitstorm beyond belief. And what were the financial ramifications of that? From his, because he's he's supporting supposed to be supporting you or child support well, or alimony you know, and his show and again I go back to there's certain advice I would give someone going through a divorce is to settle it as soon as possible because the people that make the money are the lawyers right I spent a fucking fortune on legal same fees. million I spent millions millions same mil- yeah mi- million yeah no four it's, or five yeah it's a lot it's endless and you can't get out. No, I felt like sometimes they would meet for drinks, our lawyers, when we would get along and say, what can we do to try to fuck this up so that we can continue like stringing this out? I don't know if they did, but that's how I felt because it was just, it was, things would be good and then something would happen. I was like, oh my fuck. I it's really hard, this. but it's, it's impossible to even implement that because both parties are never hearing you and people often yeah. hate the other person more than they love their kids. It's terrible. And it becomes about something else. A hundred percent. And that's what it shouldn't be. But uh, we didn't have a prenup. Um, but I also, I didn't go after half of, I could have gone after half of two and a half men. I was with him when, yes. you know, all of that. And a lot of people have said that I 
was a gold digger and all this stuff. And that's the thing that was terrible when we were going through our divorce. I'm like, oh my God, if they only knew. Oh, they thought you were going after the two and a half yeah. million money. money. But you know what? I could have. Yeah. And by the way, rightfully so. And yes. I think I would have deserved every fucking penny what I had to deal with. The money was the last thing that we dealt with. It was more about custody. The, the custody. Yeah. And all of that stuff. And that's the thing that was so hard was, you know, Thank God my kids were so young at the time because they, but they would hear little things as they started to get older and I lied to them all the time and ugh, it was, it was not easy. But did you have, were you able to have any compassion of, about the fact that he is an addict and so he's making these promises? He literally oh, is not yeah. capable of. Absolutely. And that's the thing that, that's why I, I protected him and lied to the girls is because I didn't ever want to trash him. I didn't want to say anything negative about him. I would cover up for him as much as possible because I didn't want to influence their relationship with each other, no matter what my feelings were at the time on it's and off with him. very mature. It's involved. It's important too. It's important. And did he want custody or it was just, was it a battle about that? I think or? it was more about the fight. And this is like, sometimes I say to when people, I get asked a lot about divorce and custody and um, moms and dads that will reach out to me. And, and, you know, I finally was just like, what do you want? What do you want? Yeah. And he's like, this, this, I go done. And then it was like, uh, okay. I go, you got it. A new thing. Yeah. Each time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think it was more about the fight and to keep it engaged. Us engaged. Well, it's a passion. There's mm-hmm. that's that's so, an addiction too. It's something to focus on and obsess over. And but then he was also going through another divorce while going through our divorce. Was he leaning on you during that? Like uh, off and on, it, he would go back and forth between the two of us. That's, <laughs> and are you friends with her? Yeah, you I'm are friendly. Yeah, that's amazing. And yeah. Aaron was just here saying he's friends with Charlie. Yeah. So I don't know. You have so I, I I could say you, there's hope if he and I. By the way, yeah. Could be in a room or vacation or have dinner together or him and I, I want to go on a vacation with you and Charlie Sheen. That's just <laughs> what I'm saying. I'm just saying that and Aaron, like I just can I be invited? I just really do. I want to come. If we could fly on your plane, yes. Yeah, perfect. I will get a plane if we can all go. I will 100% get a plane because I I I I really want to be on yeah, the vacation desperately. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I just, but I've always, yeah, I have compassion. I'm sympathetic to someone who has addiction. I'm really, I really think it's so admirable that you you all have a modern family. You, yeah, you have a modern family and that you literally all, I mean, do you, was Charlie Sheen a good father? I wanted him always to be the best dad he could be. And now? And he's, you know, he's not my father. Right. But I always want him. And that's why I was always so supportive is because I and why I would help him because some people would be like, why are you helping him? You know, he's done so much to you or are you still in love with him? I'm like, no, I want him to be the best version of himself for our daughters. He's their dad, no matter what happens. So I've always wanted that for him and for our kids and for his boys. And is he doing a good job at that? He today he's great. That's good. And do you think that because he says that's it? I'm not never going back. I'm never going to 
touch anything again. Do you believe that he like is very that his addiction is first in his priorities? Like I believe that his addiction is first in his priorities. That's I, amazing. I was ignorant when we got together about addiction because I wasn't educated about addiction. And that's why I never thought he would ever relapse, ever, because I wasn't educated. I was very naive. Um, I think I know his intention is with any addict that gets sober, their intention is to be sober. So, but you are more aware. So you and the girls are like creating the support system to, to, I wouldn't, I, I'm not one of the, that's always like, Oh, I wonder if he's going to relapse. It's just, it's day by day Yeah. with, you know, I have a nephew who's an addict and he, you know, is doing good today, but it, and his intention is to do good today. But I've learned and I've been educated with addiction that all I can do is just be supportive. Yeah. But mine and Charlie's talks aren't always about sobriety. Oh, no. You know what I yeah, mean? Like no. we're, we're talking about children. his his boys, you know, and also um, with his ex and the dynamic of all of that. So we all help each other. You're grownups. You're a yeah. community. And yeah, we want to yeah, be grownups. There's. But for people, life is too short to not. Yeah, but for people who have been in relationships with addicts or have family members, it really it's just amazing because I'm thinking about all the crazy things that he did say publicly, and like it really can mess with your mind. It can mess with like it can oh make you crazy. Oh my gosh, what he has said about me um, was awful and hurtful, and it, it this is not an easy road, and it hasn't been. Mm -hmm. I've been through hell and back with him, but. At the end of the day, I I'm one that is very forgiving, and I like to move forward mm -hmm. and keep things as peaceful as possible and clean. Exactly. Like to not be, I, yeah. I'm not. I don't like to bring up shit and harp on. It's just like it is what it is. Let's move on. Let's move forward. And that's why you ended up being a decent housewife. We'll get into that. Oh, after, Jesus. But no, but that, <laughs> yeah. that is, that is, that's amazing. No, that's very, And very, I think people have a hard time understanding that about me. They, well, it's funny cause I had Hillary Clinton on here and she, people really wanted her to not forgive Bill. You know what I'm saying? They really yeah. wanted her to like, cause that, that would have dictated how they felt. And now that doesn't define their entire relationship. Right. Monica Lewinsky doesn't define Bill and Hillary's entire how many years they've been married. So um, you're not married, but I just, it's not the definition of the, you have a lot of other things going on and the stakes are way higher than that. And do you forgive him? Yeah, I, I, I really feel, because a lot of people ask me if I regret marrying him. And I absolutely do not because I know that we came into each other's lives for to have our daughters. And if we were not together, we would not have our daughters. Yeah. So we were, our journey was as a married couple was cut shorter than what I thought. I thought, you know, I didn't think when I was getting married, Oh, this is going to end up in divorce. I'm sure a lot of other people did thinking, Oh, Charlie Sheen's getting married. You know, yeah, but you're still in each other's lives. Which right. Is a very, and we have yeah. daughters and as shit hell everything was, it is what it is, and it was part of the journey. It was part of the journey. It's also not. It's two actors coming up in Hollywood. Uh, it, it's 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 a lot of ingredients in that pie. Well, you know, it's there's no handbook on. There's a lot of books on going through divorce and families and blending families, but there isn't really one. And it's not to 
it's not like woe is me or poor us because we're in the public, but there isn't a handbook on dealing with it publicly. Right. It's embarrassing and right. humiliating dealing with this shit and for my kids. So that's the hard thing that that's the hardest thing that it's been like navigating that part of it. Oh, well, yeah, no. And in each part of it, you've got a deal over here, a movie over here, a part over here, and they're judging you based on what's yes. going on over here. And he's got the same thing and he's losing shows because of it. And together it's, it's, it's right. just, it's torching the whole kingdom, to be honest. It's like people don't realize it. It's, it's, it is, it does reflect what divorces are like for other people just on a bigger scale. But yeah, everybody, everybody loses. Everybody loses in divorces except for the, the, the lawyers and the court system, which yes. is really fucked. And so you co-parent these girls and you're married to Aaron now who just said that he has a good relationship yes. with Charlie. This is all very evolved. Hey there. Did you know that May is Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month? Macy's is celebrating by highlighting some cool AAPI-owned brands like Cardon, Kaja, Amelia George, and Hey Maeve. I mean, I love that a big brand like Macy's is supporting Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. It's important. But you know what? The best reason to check out these brands is that they're just really awesome. Seriously, you need to check them out. And you know what else? You have a great opportunity to open up access to college for AAPI students and help them succeed by donating to APIA scholars. APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. You can donate online or just round up your purchase at Macy's when you check out. So do what you can to help. Join Macy's and round up your purchase to the nearest dollar at checkout to support APIA scholars. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander-owned brands at Macy's.com or in-store. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a Job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. 
We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I just read an article about your daughter in Bustle. And I thought it was so interesting. Now, I am naive. I don't know. I'm very naive about a lot of things, too. I don't understand. I don't know what OnlyFans is. I've heard about it. I've heard I about didn't it. either. Okay. So long. I've heard about it because of Larsa Pippen and because of you and your daughter. And what what is OnlyFans? It's a site where people get to like, it's like flirty or it's like full nudity or like what is OnlyFans? OnlyFans is whatever you want it to be. And to me, I, I thought of it as back in the day when you would join a fan club. Oh, okay. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Okay. Like that kind of thing. And yes, is there stuff on there that's more risque? Sure. There's it, a spectrum you're saying. It's whatever you want it to be. Okay. So what? You don't have to do anything you don't want to. But what? It's a so it's a site for fans to get exclusive content. Exclusive content. Yeah. So video content. Okay. So and pictures. And pictures. And communicating, whatever. And messaging people. Yeah. So it's a world. And it's a, it's a business yeah. for many people, right? It's like a business. Like I learned that it's a business. Okay. I I'm didn't, saying like some I people didn't are, know at, at the time, though. So some people are TikTok famous. Some people are Instagram famous. And some people are like only fan famous, right? Like, or you I, have to be famous. I before. don't know. that. Part. No, there's a lot of people on OnlyFans that are not uh, household names. Okay. That are, there's a lot of different people on there that do different things. And like niche, like Cameo had different categories of people that would send messages. That yeah, ma- yeah, and okay. it's also, but it's also some people do, you know, cooking or you know, building a house. Whatever. Normal cooking, like you don't There's, have to be wearing sexy. Cook- yeah. You could do normal cooking. Just you could norm- do normal cooking on there. There Why are aren't people. Why are not OnlyFans doing well, normal I don't cooking? Know. Um, I do caviar, baked maybe, potato, cottage okay, cheese. I maybe could be. You should. Yeah. It's um. <laughs> Why can't I do caviar, baked potato, cottage cheese on OnlyFans? I'm sure fans. they would like if you were naked, but oh, um, okay. you could... Naked, babe, naked, naked. Yeah, naked. you could do whatever you want. It's whatever you naked want. Naked potatoes. I think that what gave it a the perception was a lot of adult film actors are on the page. And okay. so I think that's where it came from. I don't know. I actually don't know, to be honest with you. But all I know is my daughter joined it and she got so much backlash and I was so ups- I was upset for her because I know what that's like to get backlash for something and have people say stuff and she's so young how to have she's 19 she, yeah she's 19 and she was 18 when she, she was the 18 backlash? which is very young to- right but what is she what was she she went on there what was her job before she's not that? showing she was in school okay she didn't have like a job job okay but she's she wasn't even showing topless so she still got backlash she was just being like Sexy, yeah, she was just wearing rough. bathing suits or um, I'd, I've never been on her page. Why? You can't do, handle it? I don't, well, I would think it, sometimes it's weird for me to even go on my kid's Instagram because I'm like, you, I don't know. It's just a. No, you, I saw one of my daughter's 13 year old friends in a sexy Halloween costume and I thought, holy shit. So a 13 year olds are doing are just in lingerie and I thought it was provocative. I imagine your 18-year-old daughter just being in a bathing suit is not Is your the daughter deal. on social media yet? She's on TikTok and Instagram. She's she's very young. Like she's but even she's if it's 13. innocent, isn't it kind of weird though to see her on uh, a social media? It was weird for yes, me. Yes, but I snap the leash when it's like it feels a little provocative and it's not, but she's 13, she's not I 18. I tried snapping that at 13 and 12. Yes, but when they're 
18, it's a little different. No, it is totally different. I'm, I'm you agreeing can't with say you. Shit. And I was saying this to Paul <laughs> last night about some of Prince's friends that I've seen. I said, and I don't think it's only because of my quote unquote good parenting. I think some kids just are real curious, real early, it's and just want to get out yeah, there. And no, they want they, they want to be their boy crazy or the girl crazy. They just they want right. to get out there. It's just it's just inside it's of just, you. Right. It's so, a different generation. So you're too. saying that your daughter is on this site and got a lot of heat, even though she's she not she's not naked. She's wearing. Yeah. And okay. so uh, I decided, well, fuck it. I'm going to open up an account. I'll see what this is. Oh, OK. And so you open up an account yeah. and not with her, your own. account. No, no, no. OK. So she hasn't seen yours and you haven't seen hers. No. Interesting. Yeah. But Aaron has seen yours, and has any, Aaron seen anybody's? He he has not seen my daughter. So he doesn't even know how to get on the damn site. I don't even know what the site is. But have you seen Denise's? He shoots a lot of my so content. So Aaron shoots the content, mm-hmm. but doesn't see the result. Okay, so how lucrative is OnlyFans for your daughter and for you? Is she supporting herself on this? Yeah. Wait, like, is it like people are making millions of dollars a year, or just like hundreds? A lot of, of people make that. So it's a real income. Like she's yeah, you, yeah. Okay, you can make a lot of money on it. And I feel like she sort of like messed around with the reporters, like taunting them by saying she's a sex worker. Like I she was think playing she around. She didn't understand. This is where I think I am trying to get them to understand. Be very careful what you say. Okay. What you post. I said this from day one when they got their social media accounts. Wait, who's they? Meaning my daughters. They well, both are on? Media. No, no, no. Oh, okay. Lola's not on OnlyFans, but just social media in general. Okay, got it. I said you always have to be careful whatever photos you send to your friends or what you put in writing, anything. I said you have to be very careful because nothing is private. Absolutely. I don't care what you think. It's not. And so from the very beginning of them going on social media, any, you know, social media, TikTok yeah. or Instagram, right. whatever. You have to be careful, even texting a friend. And so from there, though, with with Sammy, I and starting to do interviews and that sort of thing, I tried to, you know, I'm explaining that it's a, it's a process. I learned, too, doing interviews and Everything sometimes said. getting misquoted or, you know, saying something you shouldn't say and regretting that, whatever it is. So with her, I think it's a process of learning and I think that it's not as easy to get things taken down oh, I took <laughs> and it, stuff like that. When I read about it, I took it that she was I don't playing. Think, no, the sex worker comment she made, I believe, on an Instagram post. Oh, and now I she's think. reframing it. Yes. Got and it. So well, smart. I believe. Yeah. So I think it was there that she said it. And it didn't land, but now she's reframing it. She and was surprised, I believe, how it was taken, and she didn't mean it that way. Okay. And so now with Bustle, um, I thought she did a great job with the article, and you know she was trying to, I believe, reframe it. Yeah, I, and I think she did. A, I think she did a great Thank job. You. And also, I feel like how, as a mother, you were young, you were an actress, you were living in your six hundred dollar apartment, you did Playboy, so it's hard for you to say. You can't do this. I mean, not that she would listen to you and she's an adult. Yeah, but I'm she saying- won't. I mean, she's of age and she can do whatever the hell she wants. It's hard at times. And I don't always agree with every decision. My parents, I'm sure, didn't agree with every decision. I'm sure my dad doesn't agree with every decision I make even now as a grown up. Right. You know, but as a parent, I have to let her 
grow and but I'm here for her and I try to also guide her and try to explain certain things too and I think it is a very difficult thing for kids you'll see as your daughter gets older being the daughter of someone famous Mm -hmm. and how it's going to be when she's evolving into being having boys like her and having maybe boys say things about her mom or do you know what I mean? Yes. That's a whole different dynamic oh, too. That's an ever changing. Yeah. It's, it's different. And so I, I didn't grow up the way my kids are growing up and have grown up. No, I grew up very different. So I can't imagine what that must be like. You know, sometimes I really think about it. I'm like, shit, it must be really weird that their mom <laughs> did some of this shit, you know? Wild things play a yeah, point, and then and you're the going to be a hypocrite and say, you can't do this. Exactly. But people are, bl- are people blaming you, the mom shamers, like blaming you? Oh, I don't read any of that crap. I'm sure they're blaming both Charlie and I, you know, between the two of us. I'm sure they're like, these two fuck-ups, you know? <laughs> I swear to God. You're you know? tough, You're true. tough, aren't you? You've been seeing I it all. I've had everything and under the sun said about me. I'm like, I'm not going to read their negative bullshit. I already know what the negative comments will be. If I see a positive one, I was like, oh God, that's nice. Right. And then I stop at that one and then yeah. I won't read anything else. Right. And where does Charlie stand on all of this? Where is where is he? Well, when he when she first did OnlyFans, he was not happy. Okay. And I think was public about it, which she didn't appreciate. And uh, he's changed his tune. You guys are being supportive and all together. I, I- mean- I th- he changed his tune when she bought a Mercedes and moved into a house. So it was like, maybe this ain't so bad after all. <laughs> when she bought the Mercedes and moved into a house. Okay, so... so I mean, I don't want to speak for him, no, but I no, think that I that one, I would lo- He's one of my people. When people ask me now who one of my, who my dream guest is uh, after Denise, oh, I'm going to say Charlie. Oh, well, we can make that yeah, happen. Yeah, I'd like to have him on. I think he's very interesting. I think the story's interesting. I and think we can make Yeah, I'd like to have it happen. Okay, I really do. I have a natural interest in that. So Puerto Rico is a beautiful place. It's a lush island. It's great for surfing. It's got a culture. Like you feel like you've really gone somewhere far and you don't need a passport, which honestly I do really enjoy. It's a beautiful island. The people are amazing. The food is amazing. The water, the beaches, the vibe. It's a great place. It really is. In Puerto Rico, you'll taste the influence of Spanish, African, and native Taino traditions, sometimes all in the same dish. Puerto Rican chefs and restaurants put their passion into every bite. Puerto Rico is an excellent destination for food, which may not be a well-known fact. Whether it's a five-star restaurant or local favorite spot, no one does food like Puerto Rico. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 